First of all, thank you, Paul Brennan, our producer. I asked him if he could work that song in because I'm just kind of high on it right now. Um, Bill Withers, what's not to be high about? Um, take a look about, speaking about Lovely Day, take a look at all these tech names um, because they are just flying high today. Uh, you've got uh, Amazon, Google on a tear, following earnings. Let's talk about it. Uh, James Chalkmock back with us, equity analyst at Mona's Crespi Hart & Company in our Bloomberg 1130 studio. Uh, talk about the results and also why he raised his rating on Facebook, which reports next week. Um, and he did that from neutral to buy. We'll get to that in just a moment. Amazon, mm -hmm. you blown away? Interesting. On Lovely Day, I actually like to play that song when I'm coming out of the jetway um, <laughs> when, I, when I travel to a new city. Do you really? Yeah. It's such a great song, right? Yeah, it's a great song. Anyway, thank but, you, Paul. Thank you thank for being you. here. You're too ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about stocks here. Especially when I land in Miami. You have to listen to the words of the song, too. They're just beautiful. All right. All right. All right. Jeez. Look it up on Amazon Focus. here. Amazon. Look, Amazon, you cannot stop this train. I mean, basically, my headline today is the stage is set. Uh, to uh, to march toward one trillion dollars as the world's first company with a trillion dollar valuation. Um, Holy moly! That's a double from here, essentially. Now my target's not there yet because there's a lot of opportunities that still have to be uh, exploited. But the way to think about it, and the way that we've been, the reason that we've been on the sidelines before is you had uncertainties around some of the margins on some mm -hmm. of the businesses. But the bigger thing really was the regulatory. Uh, risk associated with it. What we saw was a complete rubber stamping of the Whole Foods acquisition by the FTC. And in fact, we'd argue that from a regulatory standpoint, even with what we're seeing with the headquarters that they're shopping around to new cities, they're probably most in favor politically uh, out of all the major tech companies out there. So when you take away that risk and you th think about the new opportunities the company has, which is consumer packaged goods, media, advertising, pharmaceutical, uh, getting into sports programming and same hour, uh, same day delivery. They're now types making of services. money now, right? I mean, these are five hundred billion to a trillion dollars in market value uh, opportunities that they have yet to tap into. When does the government say, "I'm sorry, you're just too darn big"? I think not yet, because what we've been talking about this summer is before the deal was approved by the FTC is there needs to be a fundamental rethinking of what antitrust means, because historically it's been uh, the herfindahl hirschman Index, which basically says if you combine two assets, what is the market concentration of that combined entity? Mm -hmm. But when you combine Whole Foods and Amazon, that's a 2% market concentration, which means nothing. So throw the old rules out the window. The new rules, the Internet changes those rules by as these companies get bigger and bigger, the customer experiences get better and better. So it's impossible to argue that getting bigger is bad when prices are coming down. Yeah. Well, uh-oh. I mean, you could, you know, I don't think there's an environment right now that we had where we saw a lot of antitrust laws come into, into being. But, but what we saw with trust was that the very existence of a trust kept competitors from innovating, not just, not just with prices. Now, I don't think that the government's going to look at things that way or the people look at things like that way. But it is true that, that the lack of, that fewer competitors is going to mean less innovation, even for a company, with a company as innovative as Amazon. And, you know, it, it's, that's just going to happen. I mean, look, uh, on the antitrust thing, I was actually somewhat advocating the FTC 
take their time on this because, I mean, there are aftermath effects where the internet changes the game. You have to think about job losses. You have to think about the implications to tax revenue and constituent services and especially if you go uh, out to taxes. small rural areas exactly. in America where they talk about you know food deserts because they have right. no options anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and just deflation in general, uh, wage yeah. growth, the lack thereof. I mean, all of these things need to be, you have to think, look through everything through a new lens because of the new paradigm. However, that's not happening. The government is fully on board, which means that to your question on when does this gravy train stop, I think once you get to a certain milestone, like you put a T in front of the value, um, you know, up from a B, uh, from billion, then... Uh, I think that's when the scrutiny can start to escalate. But that's a long ways out. All right. So uh, I want to ask you about Twitter. Twitter is a company that you've covered mm-hmm. uh, for a while, uh, and you've been on both sides of the stock. Um, I was really annoyed when I went through my um, model, putting my new numbers in, mm-hmm. and saw that once again they've changed the prior quarters of how many users they had. Not a lot, but the fact that the number keeps changing, like, oh, yeah, we shouldn't have counted those. Oh, we should have counted those. just makes me think the number itself is, is it's pathetic you know, growth of less than 2% on a sequential basis. But just the monkeying around with those numbers gives me very little confidence that they know what the numbers are. Yeah, it's not even just the monkeying around it. It's also uh, the lack of disclosures around the metrics. For example, you talk about the daily active users. This is a number that's been touted as growing double digits for the last several quarters now. And uh, we still have no idea what exactly that number is. And um, obviously, we can make some assumptions on it um, based off of his prior statements, 40 to 45 percent. But there is lack of clarity around uh, a lot of these user metrics. But when you think about Twitter, and I think the reason why the stock did so well, that what they've successfully done, I think, is very Trump-esque, which is to change the conversation from user growth and revenue to profits. And um, with these massive upside to profitability, um, keeping a similar multiple. But isn't it really see. about stock comp, just lower stock comp costs? I mean, you know, so they had so much going into the IPO that, you know, that it took a while to have it come off. But, mm-hmm. you know, advertising revenues were down again. That's really bad news for them. Just got 20 seconds. Yeah, look, it's bad, but at the end of the day, the, the question is, will Twitter be a viable asset? What is the growth uh, outlook from here? And we think that it's not its not good to put the cart before the horse, uh, even based off of these somewhat rosier-than-expected We didn't results. get to talk Facebook, so you're going to have to come back. You're going to sure. have to promise that you'll do that. James Chakmok, equity analyst at Monas Crespi Hart & Company in our Bloomberg 1130 studio, crossing the Bloomberg terminal, Spain, uh, Spanish Prime Minister Mariano Rajoy firing president of uh, Catalonia, Carlos Puigdemont, and uh, also uh, looks like he's making some uh, other moves against the Catalan government. We'll have more details for you in just a moment right here on Bloomberg Radio.